0: Morality. According to Article 27 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, everyone has the right to the protection of the moral and material interests resulting from any scientific, literary or artistic production of which he is the author. Although the relationship between intellectual property and human rights is a complex one, there are moral arguments for intellectual property. The arguments that justify intellectual property fall into three major categories. Personality theorists believe intellectual property is an extension of an individual. Utilitarians believe that intellectual property stimulates social progress and pushes people to further innovation. Lockeans argue that intellectual property is justified based on deservedness and hard work. Various moral justifications for private property can be used to argue in favor of the morality of intellectual property, such as Natural Rights Justice Argument This argument is based on Locke's idea that a person has a natural right over the labor and products which are produced by their body. Appropriating these products is viewed as unjust. Although Locke had never explicitly stated that natural right applied to products of the mind, it is possible to apply his argument to intellectual property rights, in which it would be unjust for people to misuse another's ideas. Locke's argument for intellectual property is based upon the idea that laborers have the right to control that which they create. They argue that we own our bodies which are the laborers. This right of ownership extends to what we create. Thus, intellectual property ensures this right when it comes to production. Utilitarian pragmatic argument, according to this rationale, a society that protects private property is more effective and prosperous than societies that do not Innovation and invention in 19th century America has been attributed to the development of the patent system. By providing innovators with durable and tangible return on their investment of time, labor, and other resources, intellectual property rights seek to maximize social utility. The presumption is that they promote public welfare by encouraging the creation, production, and distribution of intellectual works. Utilitarians argue that without intellectual property there would be a lack of incentive to produce new ideas. Systems of protection such as intellectual property optimize social utility personality argument. This argument is based on a quote from Hegel, every man has the right to turn his will upon a thing or make the thing an object of his will, that is to say, to set aside the mere thing and recreate it as his own. European intellectual property law is shaped by this notion that ideas are an extension of oneself and of one's personality. Personality theorists argue that by being a creator of something one is inherently at risk and vulnerable for having their ideas and designs stolen and, or, altered. Intellectual property protects these moral claims that have to do with personality. Lysander Spooner, 1855, argues that a man has a natural and absolute right, and if a natural and absolute, then necessarily a perpetual right, of property, in the ideas, of which he is the discoverer or creator, that his right of property, in ideas, is intrinsically the same as, and stands on identically the same grounds with, his right of property in material things, that no distinction, of principle, exists between the two cases. Writer Ayn Rand argued in her book Capitalism, The Unknown Ideal that the protection of intellectual property is essentially a moral issue. The belief is that the human mind itself is the source of wealth and survival and that all property at its base is intellectual property. To violate intellectual property is therefore no different morally than violating other property rights which compromises the very processes of survival and therefore constitutes an immoral act infringement, misappropriation, and enforcement. Violation of intellectual property rights called infringement with respect to patents, copyright, and trademarks, and misappropriation with respect to trade secrets may be a breach of civil law or criminal law, depending on the type of intellectual property involved jurisdiction and the nature of the action. As of 2011, Trade in Counterfeit Copyrighted and Trademarked Works was a $600 billion industry worldwide and accounted for 5-7% of global trade. Patent Infringement Patent infringement typically is caused by using or selling a patented invention without permission from the patent holder. The scope of the patented invention or the extent of protection is defined in the claims of the granted patent. There is safe harbor in many jurisdictions to use a patented invention for research. This safe harbor does not exist in the U.S. unless the research is done for purely philosophical purposes or in order to gather data in order to prepare an application for regulatory approval of a drug. In general, patent infringement cases are handled under civil law, for example. In the United States, but several jurisdictions incorporate infringement in criminal law also. For example, Argentina, China, France, Japan, Russia, South Korea. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Copyright infringement is reproducing, distributing, displaying or performing a work, or to make derivative works, without permission from the copyright holder, which is typically a publisher or other business representing or assigned by the work's creator. It is often called piracy. While copyright is created the instant a work is fixed, generally the copyright holder can only get money damages if the owner registers the copyright. Enforcement of copyright is generally the responsibility of the copyright holder. The Act of Trade Agreement, signed in May 2011 by the United States, Japan, Switzerland, and the EU, and which has not entered into force, requires that its parties add criminal penalties, including incarceration and fines, for copyright and trademark infringement and obligates the parties to actively police for infringement. There are limitations and exceptions to copyright, allowing limited use of copyrighted works, which does not constitute infringement. Examples of such doctrines are the Fair Use and Fair Dealing Doctrine. Trademark Infringement Trademark infringement occurs when one party uses a trademark that is identical or confusingly similar to a trademark owned by another party, in relation to products or services which are identical or similar to the products or services of the other party. In many countries, a trademark receives protection without registration, but registering a trademark provides legal advantages for enforcement. Infringement can be addressed by civil litigation and, in several jurisdictions, under criminal law. Trade secret misappropriation Trade secret misappropriation is different from violations of other intellectual property laws, since by definition trade secrets are secret, while patents and registered copyrights and trademarks are publicly available. In the United States, trade secrets are protected under state law, and states have nearly universally adopted the Uniform Trade Secrets Act. The United States also has federal law in the form of the Economic Espionage Act of 1996, 18 U.S.C. sections 1831 to 1839, which makes the theft or misappropriation of a trade secret a federal crime. This law contains two provisions criminalizing two sorts of activity. The first, 18 U.S.C. section 1831, criminalizes the theft of trade secrets to benefit foreign powers. The second, 18 U.S.C., Section 1832 criminalizes the theft for commercial or economic purposes. The statutory penalties are different for the two offenses. In Commonwealth common law jurisdictions, confidentiality and trade secrets are regarded as an equitable right rather than a property right, but penalties for theft are roughly the same as in the United States. Criticisms Criticism of the term intellectual property ranges from discussing its vagueness and abstract overreach to direct contention to the semantic validity of using words like property and rights in fashions that contradict practice in law. Many detractors think this term specially serves the doctrinal agenda of parties opposing reform in the public interest or otherwise abusing related legislations and that it disallows intelligent discussion about specific and often unrelated aspects of copyright patents, trademarks, etc. Free Software Foundation founder Richard Stallman argues that, although the term intellectual property is in wide use, it should be rejected altogether, because it systematically distorts and confuses these issues, and its use was and is promoted by those who gain from this confusion. He claims that the term operates as a catch-all to lump together disparate laws, which originated separately, evolved differently, covered different activities, have different rules, and raise different public policy issues, and that it creates a bias by confusing these monopolies with ownership of limited physical things, likening them to property rights. Stallman advocates referring to copyrights, patents and trademarks in the singular and warns against abstracting disparate laws into a collective term. He argues that to avoid spreading unnecessary bias and confusion, it is best to adopt a firm policy not to speak or even think in terms of intellectual property. Similarly, economists Boldrin and Levine preferred to use the term intellectual monopoly as a more appropriate and clear definition of the concept, which they argue is very dissimilar from property rights. They further argued that stronger patents do little or nothing to encourage innovation, mainly explained by its tendency to create market monopolies, thereby restricting further innovations and technology transfer. On the assumption that intellectual property rights are actual rights, Stallman says that this claim does not live to the historical intentions behind these laws, which in the case of copyrights served as a censorship system, and later on, a regulatory model for the printing press that may have benefited authors incidentally, but never interfered with the freedom of average readers. Still referring to copyright, he cites legal literature such as the United States Constitution and case law to demonstrate that the law is meant to be an optional and experimental bargain to temporarily trade property rights and free speech for public, not private, benefits in the form of increased artistic production and knowledge. He mentions that, if copyright were a natural right, nothing could justify terminating this right after a certain period of time. Law professor, writer and political activist Lawrence Lessig, along with many other copy left and free software activists, has criticized the implied analogy with physical property, like Lander in Automobile. They argue such an analogy fails because physical property is generally rivalrous while intellectual works are non-rivalrous that is, if one makes a copy of a work, the enjoyment of the copy does not prevent enjoyment of the original. Other arguments along these lines claim that unlike the situation with tangible property, there is no natural scarcity of a particular idea or information. Once it exists at all, it can be reused and duplicated indefinitely without such reuse diminishing the original. Stefan Kinsella has objected to intellectual property on the grounds that the word property implies scarcity, which may not be applicable to ideas. Entrepreneur and politician Rickard Falkving and hacker Alexander Oliva have independently compared George Orwell's fictional dialect Newspeak to the terminology used by intellectual property supporters as a linguistic weapon to shape public opinion regarding copyright. Debate and DRM. The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation incorporated under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The content of this podcast was last edited on March 29, 2020. Hi, this is Annie from Avoir Simone. You're listening to a Creative Commons licensed podcast. Oh, thank you.